You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. In the spring of 2021, I knew something was not right within me. Uh, I've always been honest about being an, an anxious person. Uh, I've shared that with you all plenty of times, but this was different. It was a weekday afternoon in the church office, and I, I sat at my desk and just felt really overwhelmed with emotion. Uh, it really wasn't one thing that made me feel that way. It, maybe it was compounding things over the past few years, whether it's COVID or church transitions or a chaotic world we live in or just raising kids. I, I really can't point to one thing, but I was, I was super emotional. Um, then my body tensed up. Uh, the only way I've been able to describe that feeling is almost like a, a restless leg syndrome, like all over my body, and my face was hot, and my arms and hands tingled. And to be really transparent with you, um, I stood up and began to pace the hallway and just started to cry. And thankfully, no one was in the office at the time, uh, I, but I, I just could not, I could not calm down. So I went home uh, that day and just tried to, to shake it off. And like things happen, we get overwhelmed at times. I was about 99.9% sure I'd experienced uh, some form of like a mild panic attack, and I just carried on with life. Uh, Then it happened again, and I knew like, man, something is not okay. Uh, Being anxious is one one thing, but having like debilitating panic attacks is another, and so I called up a friend that was a nurse, and Asked her what I should do. That, that day I visited the um, medical care and was prescribed 50 milligrams of Zoloft for anxiety. Uh, I shared that information with my wife and my close friends and uh, shared that information with our elders who were uh, and are incredibly supportive. Things got, I would say, they got a lot better that year. Um, never experienced another panic attack. I never let myself go to that feeling of dread, but also never changed anything uh, in my schedule. My sleep was lacking, my pace was hectic, my eyes were glued to technology. Uh, Medication isn't really designed to fix all of our problems. Medication might calm our minds to deal with problems, but it doesn't fix them. Uh, For me, I, I slowly weaned myself off Zoloft, not everyone should do that, but I knew that was right for me, and at least at the time, I went, and I went to professional counseling um, a few times, and again, I discussed all those things with my wife and uh, close friends and uh, our elders. I can confidently say that I'm in a really great place right now. My pace, my schedule, my mind is incredibly healthy right now. Why share all of this and with so much detail? First, it's a good reminder that just because a person has a position or a platform doesn't mean that they have it all together. 
I'm human. I'm called to live above reproach as a pastor. I get that, but I'm still human. I'm not better than a single person in this room. And uh, second, I'd say mental health is just not talked about enough in the local church. Um, medication, self-diagnosis can be overblown and misused. I've seen it. Um, but our church, our culture has a serious mental health problem. The church is not immune. I'm not immune. It's, it's okay to publicly talk about that. Uh, just because uh, everything looks fine on the exterior doesn't mean that it's fine on the interior. So it's okay to talk about these things and uh, seek much-needed help. There's no embarrassment or shame in that. But thirdly, most importantly, the Bible is still our answer. I really believe that. There's no amount of medication or counseling or therapy that will replace our dependency on the Word of God. It doesn't mean that those things are not important or, or even necessary at times, but it is the Bible that will provide the answers that we're looking for. So that's my hope with this brief uh, sermon series, not that we might um, look at some self-help books or psychological studies, not that we might have a Sunday morning therapy sessions. No, we need the book. We're restless saints that need the words of Christ to quiet our anxious hearts. Not another social media platform, not another shopping spree on Amazon, not another government regulation, not another article on mental health. Restless saints need the words of Christ. So that's what this series will be about. Uh, and I, I really hope it's biblically practical for us in the day today. Uh, we're going to jump around Scripture quite a bit during this series, but for this first week, we'll be in Mark 1. If you have your Bibles, if you have a digital Bible, I'll read out of the ESV. If you have a bulletin, it's all there in your bulletin. All the supplemental passages will be on the screen. But before we read uh, the account in Mark's Gospel, we'll, we'll pray, um, and then we'll walk through the text uh, together. God, we um, are, are so thankful uh, to gather with brothers and sisters in Christ. God, we're thankful to open your word and to hear an unending, unchanging truth. But God, I, I know and I've heard it from our church. I heard it from your church. God, there are restless hearts and minds this morning. And the pace of people's lives are out of control. And we, and we feel like we are, in many ways, just keeping our head above the water. And wondering, is, is that our new normal? And, and I pray that this series is um, both brutally honest, um, but also uh, changing for how we see and think and feel uh, it, it changes our schedules. It, it, it changes our hearts, most of all, through uh, the indwelling of the Spirit and the power of your Word. So God, I, I, I do pray. I pray that for myself. I pray that you would give us understanding in Mark's Gospel this morning. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. It's a brief account. Mark's Gospel, uh, chapter 1, verse 35. 
Verse 35 says, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Well, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So Jesus has just entered the trading village of Capernaum. It's northwest of Galilee, uh, really the main trading route between Damascus and Egypt, meaning all of Jesus' ministry would spread like wildfire. And as they entered the town, he immediately he heads to the synagogue. If you have your Bible, um, you can see this in Mark 1, starting at verse 21. It's there that there's these religious leaders. They're astonished at the level of his teaching. Like he taught with uh, an authority in ways that they had never heard of from the scribes. And as he walks out of the synagogue, he's approached by a demon-possessed man. And the man screams, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So to imagine the disciples and all the witnesses are, are shook by that scene. It's, it's terrifying. It's disturbing. Jesus, he rebukes the man, be silent and come out of him. The man violently shakes and screams as the demon came out. And the crowd is amazed, like, who, who is this man that would command unclean spirits? All around Galilee, the news of Jesus began to move, and immediately Jesus, he leaves the scene, and he arrives at the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. This is Mark 1, starting in verse 29. He receives news that the mother-in-law of Simon is deathly ill. Um, nothing more could be done. The fever is just not relenting, and Jesus, he, he took her hand, and the fever left. She was immediately healed, and she began to serve him. All night, the disciples brought those who were sick or demon-possessed, oppressed, and Jesus healed them. And all night, the city gathered at the door of the home, those that were sick with various diseases and demons. Jesus would not per permit the demons to speak because they knew him, but he healed many of those that came to him. This is this intense ministry life in Capernaum. And then we get to verse 35. We see Jesus, he goes to pray. Uh, the first question I'm going to answer in this series and really in this text if you're a note taker, is how does prayer quiet our heart? How does prayer quiet our heart? In the middle of hectic schedules and busy lives, how does prayer quiet our hearts? And it's worth noting that, that what we see from Jesus, it's both uh, descriptive and prescriptive. Meaning the text describes how Jesus goes to pray in this situation, but it also uh, prescribes how we can likewise pray in our lives. So how does prayer quiet our hearts? Keep it, things real simple with this series. Here's point one. Prayer forces us to slow down our pace. It forces us to slow down our pace. 
it's incredibly evident that Jesus was busy. From the start of his ministry in Mark uh, 1, verse 14, uh, through verse 39 today, Mark continues to use this word immediately. There's an urgency in the storytelling of Mark. In fact, Jesus did more miracles in Capernaum than anywhere else. He's incredibly busy, calling disciples, teaching in the synagogues, healing the sick, casting out demons, and yet we find him in verse 35, rising early in the morning while it was still dark. I mean, would, would it have been wrong for Jesus to sleep in after such a busy week? No. Would it have been wrong or even sinful for Jesus to take just a little mini vacation after such intense ministry? No. But what we find is an intentional decision to wake up early the next day and to pray to his heavenly Father. See, we think rest is just taking a nap. We think rest is something that, that just happens in our life when it begins to calm down. So let me tell you a little secret. For most of us, it's not going to calm down. If you think like you'll rest when this busy season is over, you might just find yourselves in perpetual busy seasons. No, this is a decision based on values that determine priority. Um, do, you, do you see it in the text? Jesus made a decision to wake up early based on a value of spending time with his Father that determined his priority to pray. Your daily and weekly schedule is, it's really, it's based on a thousand value decisions, whether you realize that or not. And you can blame your circumstance or your boss or your friends or your family, but ultimately it's you that have to own your own values and your own value decisions. So the truth is, you don't need to change your schedule. You need to change your values first. And when, then when your values change, then your schedule will likewise change. Kevin DeYoung, he put it like this. If Jesus had to de be deliberate with his priorities, so will we. We will have to work hard to rest. We will have to be dedicated to being disciplined. We will have to make it our mission to stay on mission. That's from uh, Kevin DeYoung's book, Crazy Busy, which I highly recommend you leave here today and just go by. It is incredibly helpful and convicting. Jesus made a deliberate decision to wake up early and to pray. And the language that you will see in the text is that he went to pray for a lengthy period of time. He didn't climb up to the mountain to throw a Hail Mary and then get back before breakfast was served. No, Jesus woke up early to spend time in lengthy prayer. And I think that's what prayer does by default in us. It forces us to slow down uh, the pace of our lives. It forces us to realize that we're not in control. It forces us to press pause on our hectic schedules. You can pray anywhere, sure. You can pray in the car on the way to work. You can pray in the middle of your, your class at school. You can pray during a family gathering. You can pray while you're making dinner for your children or grandchildren. You can pray anywhere, and you should. But what we often see from Jesus is a deliberate choice to remove himself from the hectic schedule and to spend time in lengthy prayer. And if Jesus, who is absolutely not restless, 
needs to slow down the pace of his life, how much more should restless saints? Waking up early to spend time with the Lord, it's a pattern that you'll see all throughout the Bible, especially from David in the Psalms. I'll just give you a few examples. Psalm 5.3, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. Psalm 59.16, but I'll sing of your strength and I'll sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning for you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. 143.8, let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. For in you I trust, make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. And you might be thinking, yeah, but I'm not really a morning person. That's fine, because it's not the point. The point is followers of Christ are wise enough to slow down the pace of their life, to pray for lengthy periods of time. Wake up early, stay up late, whatever works for you, but the application is still the same. Or let me put it a little bit more bluntly. If your life is crazy busy right now, I won't. I was going to take a poll there, but I won't because I'm pretty sure a lot of us would raise our hands. If your life is crazy busy right now, when is the last time you chose to spend time in lengthy prayer with your heavenly Father? Because if I was a gambling man, I would guess you cannot remember. And that's no, that's no judgment, because I've been there and I often am, but prayer forces us to slow down the pace of our life. Secondly, prayer silences the voices of the chaotic world. Silences the voices of the chaotic world. See, Jesus, he didn't just wake up early while it was dark. The second half of verse 35 shows us that he went out to a desolate place to pray. Meaning location matters. I, can, I cannot spend a lengthy time in prayer with my kids screaming and fighting with each other. Like, I just cannot. If you can do that, great. I cannot, I cannot do that. They either need to be asleep or I need to find another location. There's been times that I can't even pray in the church office. There's just too many distractions, so I have to walk down to the pavilion. There's been times where I've, I've been in the sanctuary by myself. Just have to get away from distractions and pray for lengthy periods of time. Location matters. If you never remove yourself from restless voices in a chaotic world, you'll just continue to be a restless saint. Location matters. I'm not saying you bail on your family every day to pray for hours, but I've tried to build in my routine times that I can pray alone. That's the biblical response, even uh, from the commands of Jesus. In Matthew 6, Jesus, he teaches his disciples how to pray. Listen to the words that he uses in Matthew 6, starting in verse 5. When you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That's where we get that idea from uh, a prayer closet or that Christian movie war room, if that works for you, have at it. But the idea is that the location of your prayer matters. We can pray in public, and yeah, we should. We see evidence for that all throughout the Bible. Our church service is covered in public prayer. But Jesus also encourages us to pray alone. 
First, so we're not parading our religiosity like a bunch of hypocrites. And second, so uh, the Father, uh, can, we can be removed from all our chaotic uh, situations and just spend time with our Heavenly Father. Location matters. When is the last time you got alone to pray with your Heavenly Father? In fact, I think lengthy private prayer is probably the most revealing part of your heart. I mean, when we don't pray alone, we're either claiming that we don't believe in the power of prayer, or even worse, we're claiming like we don't even believe there's a God that might listen. Restless saints must pray alone. This is Psalm 46, 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We live in a chaotic world, no doubt about it. In many ways, I think uh, we always did. Now we just have the internet to put that in our face at all times. There are countless voices seeking your attention. Some of those voices are good. Some of them are not. But you and I were not designed to handle that kind of information. Just not. We are restless saints because we listen to an unending amount of voices from a chaotic world. God can listen to that and handle it. You cannot. In 2022, there is always a voice trying to get your attention, and it's just not always the voice of God. Intentional prayer, it silences the voices of a chaotic world. We need to pray to the Lord. We need to hear from the Lord. And that's a lot easier said than done because... A lot of people, even people we love, want our attention. Verse 36 of our passage this morning says, Simon and those who were with him searched for him, him being Jesus, and when they found him, probably because he was at a familiar location, they told Jesus, everyone's looking for you. That verb for searching usually means pursuit with hostile intent, meaning Mark is making a point in this gospel account that the disciples are pursuing Jesus for all of the wrong motives and reasons. And everyone that's looking for Jesus right now is looking for all the wrong motives and reasons. They're looking for Jesus because Jesus has become famous and they wanted him to perform some more miracles for them. And when you try to make prayer a priority in your life, you better believe everyone will be looking for you. There's a million good things to do in the local church and even Carter County uh, that will be calling for your attention. As a preacher in the Bible Belt, I could, I've shared this a lot, but I could literally be gone every night of the week doing good things. I think most people would see that and think like, good, he's busy. That's what we pay him to do. And in my transparency, I think I would feel pressure to do that. But my calling, your calling, is not to do everything, even every good thing. We aren't the saviors of East River Park. We aren't the saviors of Carter County. We aren't the saviors of our friend group. We aren't the saviors of even our own families. We often lack rest in our lives because we are busy doing good things and then we're just forgetting about the most important thing, which leads us to point three. Prayer prepares us for public gospel ministry. 
Why did Jesus make it a point to rest after this intense season of ministry in Capernaum? Why did Jesus make it a point to wake up early in the dark to pray to his heavenly Father? Well, the answer that we find in verse 38 says, Let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus came to preach the gospel, that he would die and that he would rise again, that he would save his people by taking the wrath of God upon himself on the cross. Jesus came to preach the good news. And Luke's gospel account explains this even more clearly in Luke 4, 42. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news for the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for that is why I was sent for this purpose. Simply this, biblical godly rest is on purpose and then it's for a purpose. Prayer doesn't prepare us to hide out in our churches or in our homes until the world calms down. Prayer doesn't prepare us to wait around until there's like no more sickness or disease in our communities. Prayer prepares us for public gospel ministry, 2 Corinthians 5, verse verse 18. All this is from God who is through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That we have been given a ministry of reconciliation, that we are ambassadors for Christ. So when we pray in private, because we literally can do nothing of eternal value in public. It's John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So yeah, what a glorious way to rest. Like I don't, I don't have to feel that pressure to do something that I am incapable of doing. You don't have to feel the pressure of being Christ to the world. We are ambassadors of Christ to the world, but we're not Christ. The resting nature of prayer prepares us for that public gospel ministry. The resting nature of prayer reminds us that we can do nothing in our own power. 2020... um, I did a a wedding in Illinois uh, for a a former student in student ministry, and it's the height of the pandemic, and most of their wedding plans were ruined, kind of felt pretty bad for them. Instead of this large ceremony, it was a small ceremony, just close family and friends inside the sanctuary, and then everyone else literally stood outside the church and just waited for us to be done. At the reception, I stood on the... um, back porch of the, of the groom's family's house. Beautiful day, uh, this like, picture, perfect view of the, the lake. And I remember having a deep conversation with the father of the bride. He was, and I'd say is, a godly man, 
spent many years in ministry back in the day and really always enjoyed talking with him about God and the Bible and, and faith and ministry. And uh, as with everything in 2020, it just felt like, man, we were always going to land back on, on COVID and the impact that it has had on the local church. And so he asked me what I thought the future impact of COVID would be on the church. And I stood there on, a port, on the porch and thought about that for a minute, and I shared with him that the church across America had really been given a unique opportunity um, to reevaluate why they did what they did, what mattered. And I shared that, that COVID has taught us to, just to slow down, to focus what matters in this life, and most importantly, for eternity. And I shared that my fear is that we would all go back to what we've always done as soon as we were able to, to do so. Two years later, that, that fear has become a full-blown reality. We spent, most of us spent over a year having more time to pray and read the Word. We spent over a year having more time with our families. We spent over a year having more time to physically rest. We spent over a year having more time to think about God and faith in the Bible, and two years later, my fear is that we have learned nothing. Families are busier now than I have ever seen them. Communities are busier. Youth sports are more demanding. Churches have filled their calendars with so many activities that we can't even remember why we planned them to begin with. It's as if we were children that got put in timeout and we just went back to the same negative behavior as soon as we were able to. So church, that's my biblical plea to East River Park, to you, to myself, being a restless saint is not our calling. Being involved in everything isn't our mission. Your friends, your family, your community, your country, this church already has a Messiah. So we need to pray a lot more than we do. It forces us to slow down our pace. It silences the voice of the chaotic world. It prepares us for gospel ministry. Simply, the main point, pretty much stay the same this entire series. We'll just change it uh, each word, each week. But it's restless saints must quiet their heart in prayer. I'll end uh, with Ephesians 3. It's a little long, but Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. I think it's helpful for us when we th we're thinking about prayer. Verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he might grant you to be strengthened with power, through his spirit and your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ and surpassing knowledge that you may be fulfilled, filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, 
according to the power at work within us, to him being glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. If you want to talk about anything after this message or have questions about the text or uh, just want to be prayed for, I'd love to talk with you, but let's pray and then we'll uh, sing our last song together.